Okay, checking the connection, and we are now live. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm putting my phone down here. How are you guys on this lovely Tuesday afternoon? It's quite cool here in Southern California, and I hope you're experiencing a safe time wherever you are across the globe. JJ Ankur, good afternoon. Williams, hello, sir. Pet Every Dog, really cool screen name. Greetings. Porsche Cayman by Turbo, I love that name. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. Warrior Fella, hello. Darside2000 and AM Alphaluji, good seeing you. Sung, my good friend, saw you this weekend. It's great seeing you as always. Hater and I, good seeing you. Hola, Panama Porsche Club, my good family overseas. T Lopez, good afternoon. Hello, criminals, I think. Long time no see, Darside2000 indeed. Josh Wonderbread, greetings. Saludos to you as well, Ian Keen. Good seeing you. Enjoy your work, says Eagle Eye915. Thank you so much. 7K Graphics, greetings. Hope to see you soon and take advantage of that beautiful talent you have. 5.0 Felix, you're. <laughs> Hello, Camera L. Steve. Camera L. Steve L.A. Sabin Guy, good seeing you. The passenger's opinion, greetings. Wow, so much love here. Hello, Matt. Good afternoon, Abraham. Hello, Santino. Good seeing you indeed. Yo, Son of Pain. Greetings. Um, I'm going to try and put my phone here on, um, probably on uh, something. Let's see here. Try and put it on mute so that people don't call me during our interaction. But it looks like I'm not, I'm not getting success. Good evening, passenger opinion. Columbia is in the house, courtesy of David Alvaredo. Haven't seen me since the Hollywood event, says Darkside. Yeah, so much has changed. I kind of look the same. But some cool projects are behind me. That didn't exist. That didn't exist. Um, hello, Yasin43. Cobalt. Yes, you're giving a shout out here, sir. Good seeing you. Hope you're safe up north. Honda Civic is amazing. Thank you so much indeed for the kind words. Want to be an army and that's for daily? I'm down. You know me. Hello, Kevin. We are working here. And hopefully you're staying safe, brother Kevin. Good seeing you. Ecuador is in the house, courtesy of MDS Services. Oh, all this love. I appreciate that. Oh, you guys are on lockdown in Port Accord. Stay safe over there. One minute, please. Please do. Got to see the electric Porsche in person. It's really cool. It's really fast. It's an amazing project. Thank you for sharing that, you know. How come you don't do donuts in any of your cars? Because I'm a responsible driver. I don't know how that is a performance attribute. Um, I'm an engineer, and I like doing performance things to my car. So... Donuts is not one of them. As a matter of fact, the only person who's ever done donuts in my car was a guy from DDE who did it in the blue Porsche, way in the corner, I'm pointing to right there. But I've never done that. It's just not, um, it doesn't add to my performance appetite, <laughs> if that makes sense, or extinguishing that performance appetite, you know? So DDE did it, he, they sure did. Hello, Mayal, good seeing you. S2 Boost, cannot wait to get his car tuned. I look forward to exceeding your expectations. And speaking of Boost, I hope you guys love that meme that I put up today um, around the <laughs> boost, adding boost to NA. Um, the passenger's opinion likes the 935, which is a factory 935 right there with twin turbos hanging out, much larger than the factory KKKs are on there. These are now twin 57 millimeter billets from Turbonetics. And I really love infusing modern technology in older cars, whether it's the beauty of an older factory 935 or a Kremer K3 with either the uh, advanced turbochargers and CAN bus communication, all that fun stuff and that, or the of that one. They're both fun cars and different in their own right, and they bring a lot to the table, you know? Stoner Red is asking, bring anything back to Jay Leno? Yes, so this is supposed to go to Jay Leno the Thursday before California shut down. We shut down on a Monday and that was it. So once this uh, lifts up, Jay is slated to drive both of these 935s and give a good comparison between petrol and electric. And I look forward to his insight because Jay keeps it real. So we'll see what happens, you know. Do you participate in legal drag racing against other competitors? Yes, um, I did for many, many years. But as I started my business, um, as Kevin, who's here, can attest to, it got very challenging to be able to take care of customers while running a successful race team. So it was very difficult. So I chose and opted to take care of my customers first. And speaking of customers, that's why I want to talk to you guys about something when it comes about uh, um, turbocharging. Like, who's asking is acting about... Uh, uh, LS. LSs are not 12 to 1 compression. So 
when I was doing that meme, I was talking about a lot of people who like to take, you know, 11 and a half to one, 12 to one naturally aspirated setups that are inline fours and putting a ton of boost to it. And you know, I've done it too. We've had eight PSI, 10 PSI on decent sized turbos. I'm talking about 54 to 61 millimeter turbos. But when we start pushing it, things start going. But what I really want to talk about is the design parameters around um, exhaust manifolds. And something that I've been seeing that's almost an epidemic as I see cars come to my facility here, which is scary. And what is that? It's the inappropriate use of placement of a wastegate. Now, a wastegate on a turbo, as it implies, is like looking at this exhaust manifold, and you have the exhaust gases going into the piping, right, to help spool the turbo by turning the turbine, which is directly cogged to the compressor, and that pushing into the induction. Now, the only thing that prevents your turbo from overspinning, overboosting, and grenading your engine is by using some kind of boost control via a wastegate. And what the wastegate does, as the name implies, it's a gate that wastes excess gases, in this case exhaust, to prevent the turbo from spooling any further. So ideally, you want to get a collective of all these gases, waste it, and keep your turbo spinning at a certain rate so you only maintain a certain amount of boost. And as boost increased demands are there, the waste gate closed down, allows the boost to go up. And you want to do that controllably. Now here's the problem that I'm seeing out there, guys. And Kevin, you would love this as well. I see you asking about the inside in the wagon. Placement. Ideally, you want to waste all the gases at the same time. But look at this manifold. This is a customer's manifold where the wastegate is only on number three cylinder. So what does that mean? When you open up the wastegate to waste out the gases from the cylinder, only this cylinder will waste. Look at that. Only that cylinder. The other three cylinders will keep spooling the turbo, and what that does is it causes creep. And what is boost creep? It's where it has an uncontrollable amount of excess boost. Let's say that you have a three-pound spring, and you want your vehicle to get to an RPM, go to three PSI and stay there because you're wasting all the gases to keep you there. And guess what? If you don't design your manifold properly, you can have a three-pound spring in here, like I think this one car has a seven pound spring and it shoots up to 16 PSI because the other manifold runners are still spooling the turbo. And you're right, um, you can't regulate it, um, regulate it all as Lance Keen is so eloquently put. Um, so that being said, it's, it's really, yeah, he says it's sort of places like anti-lag but safer. No, it's, it's really not, it's really, the bad thing about tuning is um, you can't find really anomalies or bad things when tuning a car with high boost out the gate. You need to be able to gradually have a car at a decent amount of boost, make sure everything is safe, and gradually increase the boost. And if you have a customer or client or a user enthusiast who wants to enjoy your vehicle well, um, your setup may not want 20, 30 PSI in first gear. You may want to be able to do a boost per gear or boost per speed, you know? Thank you so much for the kind words. Camera Steve LA says it's the best explanation I've heard for a wastegate. But in this case, this is a horrible bad design. And I don't know what's going on in the marketplace because I'm seeing more and more cars like this. I have actually three cars here with manifolds from other shops that look like this. So very nice welding. This is scheduled 10 piping. Um, good penetration with the welds. This looks like it will last. But this is not rooted in engineering at all. You should not waste one cylinder. Um, the only way to make this right is to put pipes on each cylinder and then put wastegates on each cylinder. But that adds complexity and cost, right? Or, better yet, to, which this engine had a lot of space. This is on a B series, there's a lot of space. Remove this, extend this slightly, and then after the merge happens, waste from there. So all four cylinders can have a case of wasting and being very efficient. Also, there's another challenge with this. Guess what? With this being wasted, it now has a different differential in terms of um, fuel ratio versus the other ones. So you're wasting one cylinder and the fuel ratio capabilities are different in this cylinder versus the others. It's just a no-no. It's just, it's just bad. Um, so kudos to the fabricators out there that have great jobs but, um, in doing, you know, fabricating like this. But it's very poor engineering. This is not a good engineered piece at all. This is actually quite, quite paltry. It's very bad. So guys, um, as you are out there buying exhaust manifolds and, and now you know a little bit more and you look at your manifolds, if you see something where the wastegate is only pulling from one cylinder 
or from only two cylinders or just from these two cylinders, um, buy from somewhere else. <laughs> or if you're working with your fabricator and you want him to do something good, please, by all means, my pleasure indeed, it's not, it's not God Josh, appreciate that. Um, make sure your manifold, a well done one, is wasting from post to collector. And that would be good, you know? So just wanted to share that with you, a little insight based upon what I experienced. And like I said, it's an epidemic. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of this recently. Um, I did it before. It's almost like some people are copying everyone else or no one's really thinking about design as they're building these things. But it's bad for the customer. It's bad for the industry. It's just not good at all. And we're seeing a lot of um, boost creep that's not good for clients. It's just not good. And you can use the most high-efficient, most high-flowing Turbo Smart wastegate. It just won't make up for a poor exhaust manifold design, you know? Um, hello, Tesla, Tesla Mino. Good seeing you indeed. Hello, Richard LBC. Junk Man Lucas says, nice shirt. Thank you so much. This is a shirt uh, paying homage to my very first Porsche ever built. Hello, AJ. AJ, I don't know if you just came in, if you've been here, but I was just talking. AJ is a fellow engineer, and he's a very good mechanical, mechanical engineer. I was just talking about um, exhaust manifold designs and how um, a lot of designs are starting to look like this that are coming to my facility. And I've seen this with um, everything, Toyotas, Hondas, some Porsches even, where they're wasting only one cylinder. Look at that. AJ, look at this. It's, it's absolutely horrible, right? A wastegate is connected to one cylinder, so it's not doing a good job. And this, this car had a seven pound spring and creeped only at 4300 RB series. 4300 RPMs already creeped at 16 PSI. So it was, it was quite dangerous. And you want to waste the collective, not just one cylinder. I'm seeing more and more metaphors like this coming in where a wastegate is placed on one cylinder or a couple of them, it's very poor, very bad indeed, you know? Um, on a front engine turbo car, is it best to have a front exhaust or an exhaust that dumps out the side or hood? Um, here are my thoughts on that. Two things, it looks really cool to have it come out the side, it looks really cool to have it on the, on the, under the hood, and it seems to be quite fashionable to do that nowadays. But um, I tried that once and I noticed two things. You get a lot of exhaust gases in the compartment with you, which is not good for you to breathe um, contaminants like that. It's not good to, for you to breathe any elements of combustion. Secondly, you know air has mass, a lot of mass. And what does that mean by that? As you are driving down the drag strip, even though you have a lot of velocity coming out of your exhaust system, air that's rushing across your hood and across side of your car does have mass. And that could impede to some extent your exhaust gas is evacuating. So what do I do with my turbo systems? I tend to like to evacuate them in an area where the pressure differential exists. In other words, an air slight vacuum, like under the car or behind the car. A place where your vehicle as a motion device can help excavate exhaust gases away from the car, which is what you want, right? So that being said, it looks really cool. Especially when you're shooting flames coming out the hood on the side, it looks really cool, sounds great. But from an engineering perspective, um, I don't feel it's the best design. And I'd rather go undercarriage or rear the vehicle to help me ex excavate exhaust gases, which is much better for, for, for performance. So I hope that helps, you know? How does it go from a supercharged to turbocharged? How does it go from while 33D? I don't understand your question. I, I don't know if you're asking me what I think of the differences, um, but most people like supercharged. Um, because it acts, makes your engine act like a, a large natural aspirated device. It, there's no lag, or very minimal. Um, it allows for a, a very enjoyable vehicle where you have a small displacement engine and it feels like much bigger. Um, the challenge is it takes energy to run it, so you use crank energy to turn the turbocharger, um, supercharger. Um, so th there's some parasitic loss there. Some superchargers consume as much as 140 horsepower just to turn it to make X amount of power. Well, with turbocharging, you have this capability of using almost loss, energy losses to compress, and you have the ability to change boost levels based upon your driving style or need. Um, it's just a little bit more complex sometimes, you know? Thoughts on a supercharged to turbocharged in the mid-engine? Ah, oh, so I, I like both, but I obviously, for packaging, tend to prefer turbocharging. Sometimes in the mid-engine, you're very limited to space in there, so you can't do funky, cool things with the serpentine belt or cogged belt assembly, because it's usually very tight. Think of the Lotus Elise or even the 
Porsche Boxster or Cayman. It's pretty challenging, you know? Have you ever tuned a first-generation Civic or third-gen CRX? Yes, both. <laughs> well, actually, third-gen CRX. I'm familiar with two gens, unless you would consider CRZ the third gen. Huh. Anyway. Um, don't care about 300 plus horsepower, says Fox Design, my good friend Paul. You know? Referring to the game potential, you can do well with both. But there's a lot more flexibility in games with turbocharging. There just is, you know. With supercharging, as you try to demand more from it, it tends to take more parasitic loss from the power plant in question, you know? Sonny Payne says there was a tuning shop in Chicago that built a Frankenstein version of the sequential twin turbo of the Supra, where it had four blow valves and four wastegates to control boots from two turbos. Is this recommended? Yes. Um, you can do really clever things. And I don't know how long ago that build was, but nowadays they're really high-flowing wastegates that exist, so you won't have to multiply. But sometimes, to be able to get great control, you may need multiple wastegates. And blow valves, primarily because you're building so much boost and there's so much. Once again, the blow valve, what does it do? It allows you to evacuate the pressure that's in your induction system when you lift the throttle. So imagine you're building boost. You're building 40 PSI. You have 40 PSI in your entire intake tract on the cold side through the intercooler hot side. And you're just going. The engine is consuming it. It's wonderful, right? And then you close your throttle all of a sudden. The boost has to go somewhere. You close your throttle. Your engine is now engine braking. Things are cutting off. One or two things will happen. It'll try and force its way back through the turbo, which will destroy your cartridge, and or it'll do very clever things to your throttle body. <laughs> so one thing do you do? You use a blow valve, which has a signal from the intake manifold. Once it sees a vacuum, it pops open this valve. You hear that Sometimes you have so much mass air in the induction that you need more than one. You need a very high-flowing Godzilla blow valve. I, I tend to run those on most of my cars. So that being said, that is the best way to use it. So sometimes you need more. But nowadays, you have companies like Smart. they have these 60-millimeter wastegates, which are pretty large, and pretty big blow valves as well, you know? Petey Buns watching me on Fastest Car. Thank you so much. I really had a good time filming that. That was a fun event indeed, you know? How do you feel about converting a front-wheel drive Honda to rear-wheel drive for drag or drift? Have you done this or something similar before? Um, not a Honda. I think it's really cool. You have the capability of having a chassis and doing something different. And you guys know, I love different, right? So that being said, I think it's really cool. Um, the only thing we've done uh, with the team, Sam and I, um, is uh, convert a front-wheel drive Hyundai Santa Fe to rear-wheel drive. Driving down 95, you have question marks. If there's a question that I may have missed, please ask me again. I'd be more than happy to assist, by all means, you know? Thoughts on the older Honda C35 engine from the legend? And uh, it was an engine that wasn't really well embraced by the aftermarket community. And I haven't had, even had a chance to play with it. But I think I'm sure it has more controller. Covolt is asking, any more news on AM EV controller? See that they have prices on the website by now, but isn't actually clear what it can and can do. Great question. So there are two VCUs that are going to be launched core vault um, from AEM on the EV side. One will allow the capability of controlling one motor. It's a smaller UV device and it has the capability of doing everything from fail saves to launch control to being able to send data via CAN to your BMS and read that and allow you to regen when appropriate, allow you to discharge when appropriate, put in discharge limits, all that fun stuff. The larger VDU will allow you to control up to four motors. So if you have four AC motors in series, if you have a motor on each wheel and you want to do front wheel drive burnouts, rear wheel drive burnouts, you want to crab walk the car, you want to vector, the AM larger VDU will allow you to do that. Now, the cool thing is that they're going to have a, a, quite a few slew of items um, that will talk to each other. You will have, instead of a screen, you have these CAN-based buttons that you can use to initiate starting, re reverse, neutral, and drive. You can even initiate traction control or drive uh, or launch control with that. It gives you the capability of using an analog input as well to be able to do that. So if you want to use a shifter like what I've done with this, you can use the analog input with a 12-volt or ground or low-side ground to initiate those gears. And above and beyond that, it gives you the capability, if you so desire, to control mechanical devices that are analog, like your old tachometer, or vehicle temperatures, or state-of-charge devices. So that's the deal. You should see or have the capability of downloading the software and having fun with stuff in the next month or so.
Those twin turbos in the back have me hypnotized. Your work is amazing, says PD Buns. Thank you so much. It's a team effort. Marvin really got to town on this one. So um, this, you know, none of my cars are just me. Guys, without my team, I'm nothing. I'm being completely honest with you. I mean, from Marvin to Sam to Miggy to Hetty to Lindsay to Albert, I mean, to even Fabe is helping nowadays, to Durant, to Aaron. These are all people who are part of my team and I couldn't be successful without. So I may have great visions, but above and beyond that, um, I, 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 just, I just can't, I can't sit here and tell you guys I do everything. I'm just a good visionary. Um, I can work with my team and make things happen. I think really outside the box, but no man is an island and I'm not. Uh, let's see here. Great vid, BC. Wonderful touch on the EV thing. Thank you so much, Tesla Mino. I appreciate you guys. And I don't know if you guys know who Tesla Mino is. He's part of the EVS, EVS team. And him and Michael have been very kind to me. They've helped me out a lot as well. Pointing me in the right direction. When I was going far left, they pointed me back to the center. So thank you so much for all your assistance. I really appreciate it. Um, any thoughts on buying a Turbo S2000 with an already built motor and precision turbo? Price seems too good to be true, but claims it runs very strong and is daily driven. Um, I would actually go through it, have a reputable mechanic go through it. If you're in the Southern California area, I can recommend a facility that can help you just DM me. Yeah? Do you have a dream car? I do. And it most likely would be an all-wheel drive version of that with all creature comforts. That would really be a dream car for me. Have you ever been a part of any 914 projects or recommendations for an engine for one? Yes, Dan West 11. So I have a 76 that's up there in my showroom, a uh, yellow one indeed, um, that I still have to sell what I'm gonna do with. There's a red one that I sold to a very popular painter here in the Southern California area. He's more towards the Temecula area and we helped him with that and it's a very attractive car. Maybe I'll put a photo of it up. It's come a long way, it was a rolling shell before. Power plant wise, there's so many options. You can go the normal route of building the 1.7 or 2.0 that you may have in there, or going with a 914.6, which seems to be a popular upgrade. Also, electrification is another good way of doing things with that chassis as well, because what I typically call the Del Sol of the Porsche world, the 914 is a really fun vehicle that can be built to be quite enjoyable. So if you have any ideas or need some assistance, just hit me up. I'll be more than happy to, you know? Um, Oh, did I miss what El Monster said? I, didn't, I don't know if I saw what you said one day. Please ask me again, you know. Um, do you sell the plate for the D-Series transmission to use with F-Series engine? So Ernie McFly, I do have some plates left over, but I do not have flywheels. So if you have the capability of having a custom flywheel made or if you have a flywheel already, I'd be more than happy to sell you the adapter plate itself. But I don't have the combination. I just, uh, because of demand, I stopped making them but I have a few more adapter plates available. Just hit me up here and send me a DM. No problem. Buy my notchback Mustang, says Grease Monkey 97 I have a lot of cars here. I don't, I'm trying to thin the herd. A monster knows this. I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't um, buy any more cars. I need to decrease it, you know? How does this shifting mechanism work in the EV? As Josh Wonderbread, very easy. So, you notice that shifter, I have like a quake shifter that exists into the EV vehicle. Um, I have micro switches on the very bottom of that and the micro switches have different positions. And with those micro switches, I send in a 12 volt signal. My controller has the capability of identifying a 12 volt signal for different parameters, for neutral, for forward and reverse. So when I initiate a gear, when I push, let's say forward, it creates a contact between the 12 volt and the signal that goes to my controller to say, go forward. And the same with reverse. So by pushing forward or pulling backwards, I can initiate forward motion or reverse motion accordingly. So it gives you that feel of the EV being more enthusiast friendly than not. And that's how it works. So I hope that helps, Josh Wonderbread. Case of a Porsche, versatile as much as I do, I don't think I'd ever do that. <laughs> I do crazy stuff, but case swapping is not something I think I'd be doing anything soon. Oh, if AM has a PCM. So um, I assume you're asking for the EV application. Yes, they are coming with uh, what they call the, a VDU. And that will exist in two configurations to start off with. More to come as time progresses. You can um, daisy chain um, the power distribution modules that can control and send signals to things. 
It, you can also purchase a controller that's also CAN-based to initiate inputs into it. And the two units will have one that is, uh, can control one unit, and the other can control up from one to four um, different motors, which is pretty cool. Ah, DJ Romer sent me a DM. I'll check it out, sir. Hello, Jeremiah, Type 2 Vinyl Works. Good seeing you, indeed. How big is the K3V batteries? Asking Vishwander. You know what's so funny? I'm sitting in front of a beautiful factory 935 with twin turbos. I'm getting a bunch of EV questions. And then when I send from the EV, I get a bunch of petrol questions. Anyway, um, it is 32 kilowatts is what I have on it. 32 kilowatt hours battery packs. I have a 16 in the front, 16 in the rear, set up in parallel. Are there any new Honda projects in the works? Um, apart from working on customers' cars, there's a Civic here and a CRX over there and an S2000 right in front of the Civic. Um, these are client projects. Coming from me in-house, it's up to American Honda. We talked to the upper management who's been working remotely uh, with American Honda almost weekly. And right now, there may be a project. It depends how budgets look after this pandemic or as the time progresses. So we'll find out, you know? Savage says, have you thought about doing reviews on your viewers' bills, like Hoonigan Build Bio Series? That would be interesting to watch you dissect people's bills. That's a good idea. I haven't thought of that. Maybe that's something I should think about. I'll talk to the team about that. Thanks for suggesting that. I have not. Because you know me. I'll get down to the technical details of the call. You know, that'd be good. How was it going to school in Long Beach, asked Williams. As you, many of you may know, um, I went to Cal State Long Beach. It was actually quite enjoyable. I had my CRX at the time as my daily driver, and I didn't need AC because it was nice and cool. But it's enjoyable, particularly because not only was I in engineering, I studied chemical engineering, and not many people studied that curriculum. So we had a very small class. My graduate class was, I think, 18 of us. And it was very intimate, and you had very good interaction with the lecturers. So I found it as a very strong basis for me to achieve what I'm doing today. Yes, go beasts, Okie okay, Bites. Brooklyn, 215 in the house. Thank you so much for the flags. Very kind of you. Um... Satyam Katya says, own a, a Cooper JCW, good vehicle, would work on it. Would I work on it? Yes, I would. Need some mods, deadly mods. Well, I'm a dangerous man to know. I would be more than happy to, you know. What's my favorite build that I've done and why? Well, for many years, it was, say, it was like um, a cross between three vehicles. The Odyssey, because it's just absolutely bonkers and very unlike anything we've ever done, and the most popular car that we ever had, there's a whole of it, right? The Santa Cruz Porsche, which is very far left field and very uh, proof of concept-y, if that's a phrase, and it was just enjoyable. I mean, Jalen will love that car. I love that car. It's such an amazing, it's like a go-kart on steroids. Or the blue Porsche that terrifies everyone that drives it, except for me. So it's kind of a combination of those three that are my favorite builds, except for now with this EV, I feel that's my favorite one because it's a constant, evolving living organism. I'm constantly finding ways every week to improve on it and it's opened me up to a marketplace and an industry that I've never been exposed to and I like the challenge. It's exciting, it's dangerous and it's also very, very enjoyable. So I would say it's the K3V now that's the most important. That's the most uh, enjoyable one right now, you know? Do you know anything about the 981 base? Came in 2.5 six-cylinder engine. Is there any room for your opinion of more power as it's Chiron? Yes, so first of all, there's not much aftermarket support, not much in terms of flashing solutions or engine management, but the platform is very similar to what we've seen with the earlier generations of the M96, M97 applications. So that being said, yes, there's tons of power potential. It just takes maybe someone crazy like me to develop things before everyone jumps on it, but it seems to be a platform that most people don't. And I may also go off on a limb here and say it's possibly because most 2.5 Cayman guys don't modify their cars, but the Cayman S guys do. So you see a lot of aftermarket support for the Cayman S variants with the larger displacement engines, even up to current model year, as way far back as the M97 with the 06 Cayman S to now. But um, it is capable, and as a matter of fact, I have an earlier generation, like the grandfather of that engine, the 2.5 liter M96 engine in a twin turbo box over there, and it makes 530 horsepower. And that's just a blueprinted engine. No crazy rods or pistons, just a blueprinted factory engine, you know? Hello, Archer 911 Carrera. So Archer 911 Carrera, good to see you as well, is a gentleman who has a pulse chamber. He wants me to explain 
some of the attributes of the pulse chamber. So what I'm going to do just for you, Archer, I'm going to do a video later on today. I'll put up on the BCMR YouTube feed. So if you haven't subscribed to our feed, guys, go on there. The link is in my bio here on Instagram. And you have the capability of being able to see what makes the pulse chamber tick and why it's so amazing. How does it work? And I'll be able to go through detail. I will give the proper scientific explanation and I'll also break it down so everyone could understand with analogies. So you don't have to be a scientist to understand how I make that thing work. The white wheels on your blue Porsche, where can I get them? Danka Shades, wow, they don't make them anymore. That company um, closed its doors years ago when the founder retired. Um, it's a company called Spinworks. Um, if you want a set, um, let me know, because I may have a couple sets. I may be able to sell you even the white one that I had on the car, if you had a really wide body, and if you have a narrower body, I may have another set that's in silver and black that you may be able to coat. So let me know, just send me a DM here. Do a 10th gen Civic. You know, I plan to. Um, we worked with American Honda with the SI, so we got an SI here in our facility way before it was launched. I was um, exposed to the Type R 10th gen, um, the FK8, uh, two years before it reached the U.S. shores. So I had op opportunity to ex get exposure to that thanks to American Honda. But I was asked not to modify one for a year. And I didn't modify an FK8. And then by the time I was able to do it, there were so many products out there. I'm like, okay, people have already done it. I don't feel like doing it. <laughs> so I ended up not doing it, you know? Wagon Built is messing with me. He's saying I'm building an 89 Wagon Van. I'm debating to put Vitara... Where's my wig? Where's my judge me wig? Don't judge me wig. With a D16, D6 head, with Skunk 2 cam, and Skunk 2 springs, and retainers on E85 and boost, how can I reach 400 horsepower on a D16, ZC? Okay, first of all, here's what you do, wagon build. I will save you a lot of headache, okay? Don't use a Vitara piston. It may sound great, because it may be relatively cost-effective, but that cost-effective relatively attribute of the Vitara will bite you later on. What do I mean by that? Vitara pistons are cast. They weren't designed at all to withstand the rigors of what you're about to do. Some people have success, but the success is limited. Even my good friends at Speed Factory did a lot of power Vitara pistons, but still expired their engine. And you know the bad thing about Vitaras? When they go out, and the pistons do go out, it takes a bunch of parts with it. It destroys, I'm telling you, the turbo, the head, the valves, it's not worth it. So you may think it's cost effective now. If you want, Send me a DM, I will help you. I'll even partially sponsor you some pistons to help you out, that's how crazy I am. I'll give you a ridiculous discount on a set of Tron pistons to help you out. And then you can get some standard Eagle rods and then you can be able to boost your heart's content. And then when it comes to camshafts, there's no camshaft out there better than the BC Moto Level 2.4 for your engine. So that being said, send me a DM, I help you, but please, please do not give Vitaras. For those of you who don't know, Vitara pistons are from a Suzuki Vitara, yes. That small SUV that looks like a Samurai. And someone found out that the piston height is somewhat close, not exact, somewhat close to that of a D-Series and the D-Series Honda engine. It still sits in the hole, which is bad for burn. It gives you a horrible quench. And then when those pistons break because they're cast from putting power to them, they disintegrate. You know, you know how you get a forged piston and something goes wrong? It may melt or it may fracture and it just be fine and stay in one piece. The tires shatter and then they go and they destroy the turbo. So it breaks the turbine wheel and it goes in the head and it gets clogged into the seats and it destroys it. It's just horrible. So please, please, for the love of God, Wango Bill, take my offer, send me a DM, let me help you with pricing so you can go out there if cost is an issue and have something better. I'm here to help. Okay? EV Wagavan, I support it, says, ooh, I like how you think, AO Jinx, thank you so much. Um, your thoughts on compound super turbocharged systems? I think they're wonderful, Abraham. It gives you the best of both worlds. You have the bottom end capability of a supercharger system with the top end capability of the turbo, and then when combined properly, it can be the most, one of the most terrifying internal combustions you can drive. The only challenge is the complexity and cost. It's the only challenge with that, because it gets pretty expensive to do it properly, you know? When a Vitara breaks, it turns into dust, says race every day. Yes, dust, but if it was fine dust, it wouldn't be so bad. It breaks into a chunky dust that destroys turbos and heads. It's so catastrophic. It's not even funny, you know? 
Do a sleeper sign XB, says Fist Pump. Oh, sir, I don't know if that's going to be Fist Pump. Very possible because the Scion division of Toyota no longer exists. Uh, Scion means child, doesn't it? Offspring. Anyway, it doesn't exist anymore, so we usually work with manufacturers to build projects like that. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, I'm DME2 for my wagon, says Okibite. I'm here to help, sir. Shankun Kojam says, hey, BC, top guy, top projects, top cars. Keep pushing strong. Thank you so much. Like I mentioned earlier, I have a great team. Thank you for sharing that indeed. My pleasure, Wago Built. I look forward to your DM and assisting you in exceeding your expectations. You know, I like what Koval just said. He just said, make an electric classic Rolls Royce and departure from performance and focus on driving experience. And I like that because you think of what Rolls Royce was or still is as British luxury. It's all about comfort and being quiet. And man, it's so weird. The wife and I were talking about this not too long ago about doing one of those. And that may happen. That would be a pretty cool, like find an old classic Rolls, like a 60s or 70s, and just, oh, that'd be so great. So you never know, Cobalt. And if I do it, I would love for you to drive it and see what you think and give me your input, you know? What do you think of the all-motor K-Series on Nitro, says Exquisite Motors. I was just talking to Omni-Man. For those of you guys who know Omni-Power, with the Omni-Power 4-bar map sensor, he does a lot of crazy things with sensors. We were just talking maybe an hour and a half ago, an hour ago or so. And um, I think it's interesting. As a chemical engineer, I expected them to go much faster, really. Because um, when we did a lot of drag racing competitively, and Omni-Man and I were talking about that, I, um, we were very well policed. Like, they did fuel checks and weight and so on and so forth. If we were allowed to run Nitro, I don't know how fast we were going. Definitely faster than these guys running eights with their all-motor stuff. So I think it's fun. Um, it's dangerous um, in many ways. The contaminants are known carcinogens, so you should be very careful with doing that. But sure, have fun. Just go fast. Um, do I consider all-motor? Not really in the true sense. But um, they should go faster. That's my thoughts. <laughs> it's a very, very powerful accelerant indeed. Can you build me an anyone through a CE hammer? Yes, there's a Mercedes. Oh, I don't think it's it. Behind the toolbox. But yes, I'll be more than happy to build one for you. As long as you want to get in line, we'll begin to make that happen. Track is going to open soon. Can we take the wagon? Yes, we can, Kevin. So as the track opens, I guess we can do some social distancing um, uh, racing. But I really want to see what this does on drag strip. And I want to see what the wagon does on drag strip. Or maybe both of them race together. See what happens, you know? What's the weirdest way you've seen an engine or car fail, says Nick Rally P5. Um, first hand in front of me, um, I've seen a rod throw through the front of an engine. Like literally just escape, take flight. This was in the early 2000s on a dyno. Um, I've seen that happen. That's kind of the weirdest thing. It was really, and because of that, when I'm tuning customer cars, or even my own car, I don't have people stand in front of the engine, especially in, in front-wheel drive engines that are, um, that have a longitudinal application, or even transverse, it doesn't matter, you know? What is the difference between a D16A1 and D16ZC? So it depends, Josh Wonderbread. The D16ZC exists in two configurations, single overhead cam and dual overhead cam. On a single overhead cam, of course, there's quite a few differences. If you look at the single cam ZC versus D16A1, the crankshafts are the same in terms of stroke, the rods were similar in terms of length. I think it's 137 millimeters, but the thickness on the A1 was much thicker. Of course, the A1 is a twin cam um, configuration with a very interesting rock arm assembly, which doesn't lend itself very well to very high lifts and durations, while the A6-derived single cam one does. Now, when we compare the ZC twin cam to A1 twin cam, they're identical in every facet with exception of the camshafts. The duration and center lines as they're set up on the JDM ZC Twin Cam is slightly more generous in terms of performance than the D16A1, which was in the first-gen Acura Integra through the pop-up headlights. Do you still talk chemical engineering, says DJM HWD? Yes, I do. Almost in everything I do. So for those of you who don't know what chemical engineers do, they take raw materials, design components, to allow it to become useful products. And that's a very broad way of saying that. So what does that mean? You have to have a very strong knowledge in, of course, chemistry. You have to have a background in civil engineering because, of course, plants are built. 
You have to have an understanding of electrical engineering because you need to do process control with some of the things that you design. You need to have a very strong basis in mechanical engineering, obviously because fluids are mechanical devices, even though it may not sound like it. And above and beyond, you have to be able to transport and maintain that mass that comes from some of the fluids you're using. So I took as many electives as I could in mechanical, mechanical engineering because of that, because I had affinity for everything mechanical. So being that I'm a chemical engineer, it gave me a very strong background in many different facets of engineering. Of course, engineering economics as well, because you want to build things that are super ridiculously expensive. So I use it every day in my design. If you open up any of my engines, even that particular outside of the factory 935 there, I extensively use coatings. Heat retention, friction reduction, you name it. And those are all part of my chemical engineering background in terms of efficiency and conservation of energy and using it when appropriate. Fast forward to also the K3. Um, I do a lot in terms of thermal management and that my chemical engineering comes into play. So it's, it, I, it's one of the best things I've done for my life is to study that curriculum in chemical engineering because it's made me a better engineer, a better builder, and a better enthusiast. Let's see here. Thank you so much. Make busy drug race against says ITB Kevin. Um, so Kevin says that to me a lot. He's a good friend of mine, and he wants me to race often. And what prevented me from racing is me being able to have this business. Um, there are people who rely on me for subsistence. Right now, during COVID, things are very interesting in terms of a business, and I have to continue to work hard. I'm here every day, literally. Spend time away from my family. I'm literally working every day, and I'm doing that to take care of customers first and to make sure that they are okay because it's, it's, it's challenging. And racing is a way for me to really experience my creations. And with tracks closed now and me not having the flexibility of years ago when I worked for someone, I will never, I don't think I will ever in the nearest future race as, quick, as much as I did before. I just don't have that luxury. Um, creativity, creation is more important to me at this time, you know? Um, my pleasure indeed, Exquisite Motors, my pleasure indeed. Nitrous or twin turbo, static, for the sake of, we talk about efficiency and repeatability, twin turbo. <laughs> Even Exeed says exotic AutoZone. You know, I'd like that. There's an Elise up there, um, but that would be pretty awesome. I think there's a gentleman, um, his name escapes me. Uh, wait, Sasha. Yes, yeah, Sasha, he has a company called On Point Dino up north. He's in Canada, and he's done one. Or did he do an Elise? I think it was an Elise. Similar platform from Lotus, huh? But he said it was a lot of fun. I think he used, instead of the LG Chem stuff that I used, I got from our friends here from, you know, Tesla Mino. Um, I think he used uh, twin Chevy Volt batteries, which is similar source, but different configuration. Hello, Fast Motorsports from Niger. Good seeing you. Make an all-wheel drive electric 92 Integra. Remo, you have no idea. I'm down. All I need is a client who wants to do it. I am so down to do that. It's not even funny, you know? Um, do you use any softwares when you make a new car, says Abraham Avira? Uh, I'm a huge advocate of, really, Fusion 360. So that's the Autodesk-derived um, software, and it's amazing. I know a lot of people love to use SolidWorks, but the Autodesk Fusion 360, is that's my, that's my jam. <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, I really like their stuff. And that's what I use for all my design. Um, there's a Canadian guy that made an EV. Yeah, there you go. Blue Lightning and it absolutely rips. Yeah, Covort knows him. So that's Sasha. He's up north. Uh, I like that idea, Remo. I do as well. We will drive Teggy. Sounds good. You should consider your own company like Honda and Porsche. It would be awesome. Thank you, Dan Cachets. And you're right. You know what's weird? Because of the event, and I'm sure that our good friend here, um, Tessamino, would agree, the one thing about the event of EV technology, it allows for a multitude of what we call skateboard platforms. And what that does, it allows you to acquire from expert companies, these platforms that literally look like skateboards, and they have the electric motors, and it has the wheels, and it has all these great components that allow you to have this movable object that you can put anybody on. It could be a, a sports car, it could be a van, it could be a self-driving um, food cart, it could be any of these things. And what that would do is it will really create this environment where, you know how back in the day, um, Decades ago, when England was just riddled with just coach works companies, that's where you know companies like um, Morgan came to light, and even Rolls Royce, and all these companies just came to light, and all these you know coach builders. That's going to happen again because you have companies like Kenu and Karma who have come up with these skateboards, and you can just design your own vehicle and make it your own and build it. So yeah, it's very possible. You don't be surprised if that does happen. 
Now is the time. Hello, Jerry. Some good seeing you. Jalong Jalong says, "Hey, BC, thanks for taking the time to do this. Awesome project so far. Love your work on the Odyssey. Thank you so much." Random, but in the middle of your big builds, any thoughts of building, say, a Volvo S60R? I would love to do that, Jerlong. Um, but to make it happen, ideally, it would have to be a partnership with our friends from Volvo. So how we are able to build the Odysseys and the Porsches and the Hyundais, both old and new, is because of our partnerships with the manufacturer. With the manufacturer working with us, it gives us the capability to build something new and old and then helping offset the thousands and tens of thousands of dollars it takes to build these vehicles. So by all means, I'm, my doors are always open. If we have a, even an inkling to interact with Volvo, I'll be more than happy, especially with their new Polestar division. They're doing some really cool things over there, you know? Could you make the Nissan Micro for crazy fast, like six seconds, zero to 60? Absolutely, that's very possible. Hello, Ali Bufarad, good seeing you. AEM Fuel Tech Motec, my preference as exquisite motors. I would say of those three, I prefer the AEM. And why do I prefer the AEM? Not only do I like the architecture, especially with the AEM Infinity, the controller, the processor is absolutely phenomenal. 400 MIPS, 400 million bits of information per second is what we can process with that. And the fact that you also don't have to worry about purchasing options like you would with the MoTeC is really a huge advantage. And what do I mean by that? I don't have to worry about paying in to open up a secondary O2 feedback or for not control or for multiple controls for drive-by-wire. It comes complete. I get pretty much a motorsports quality ECU and better and then some at a sportsman price. And that's what I love about AM Infinity. So that's my preference, sir. Ah, the roots. Like I said, there's a reason why. I mean, honestly, if there's something out there better, I would use it, but I really love the AM Infinity. I really do. If that has Infinity on it, has some derivative AM stuff on the EV. There's, it's just, I just love them, you know? Um, yep, it was Evora. You're correct. Wow, some great. You guys are so wonderful. Thank you so much. You know, gotta go, says Kevin. Kevin, have a great one. I'll be signed up very soon. I think I have maybe three more minutes to go, and I have to run as well, you know? What complications do you come across when going all-wheel drive and lowering the car on an older Honda? And is there any way around it to go low? I mean, tire to fender low. Well, axles are one. <laughs> so, um, and when I say axles, not just the axles from the wheel itself to the gearbox or to the rear differential, but also you tend to wreck quite a bit of havoc when it comes to your drive shaft in the middle. So luckily for us, um, we use CRV components and there's some telescoping capability that does exist on the drive shaft that goes from the front to the rear of the vehicle. So what I would do is I typically set up mid-stance. What I mean by that, I set up my car where it typically sits in driving mid-stance and that is where I set up my car. So whether I raise it or lower it, it gives me capability of doing well with it. If you don't, you will bind. And how do I do that? You know the drive shaft axles in the front and rear, when I get to the stance I want, I take the bolt off, I push in, and when I sit about flush or slightly inbound of the hub, I know my axle length is good. If it doesn't go far enough, I need to shorten my axle lengths. And I can go to people like maybe Hasport or Insane Shafts or Drive Shaft Shop to get that to happen, you know? Have you ever thought of doing a hybrid setup, Abraham Avira says, and that's my fault. I am so ashamed because I have built quite a few Right there in the very corner, I don't think you can see it, but it's next to the blue car. You maybe can, I'm pointing right there, behind that little stand, is the first hybrid I ever touched hands on in 2010, far back as 2010, in collaboration with American Honda. So that's a 533 horsepower hybrid. So I've done that. It uses what Honda recommends or calls an integrated motor assist. And that is pretty much an axial motor that exists between the petrol engine and the gearbox, and it acts as a generator and absorption unit, which is pretty cool. I would love to get a course on AM Infinity to eventually tune my different things on my all-motor Nitro K. Very nice, exquisite motors. Um, you can, because AM does do classes from time to time, but with COVID, who knows? But there are classes online that you can take. I think they're, um, it's a Horsepower Academy. I think they have videos up, and then there's a lot of tutorials from AM directly. So start on. Can we restart? Says Honest Thief. No, I cannot restart, sir. <laughs> but I'll give you one bit of information. This is what I start off with, and I'll have it up here for 24 hours, because I have to leave soon.
And this is an exhaust manifold that has a poor design. A waste gauge should waste all four cylinders. Instead, this one wastes on number one cylinder only, on only one cylinder, which is, I guess, the number three. And what this did, it resulted in severe boost creep. So I'm trying to encourage enthusiasts and fabricators to please put some engineering into their designs and to make something that is both beneficial for the customer and the tuner alike, you know? Yes, Kovo says, it is engineering gore. You're absolutely correct. I like that phrase. That's the one I'm going to have to borrow from you, sir. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, High Performance Academy. There you go, Danka Shades. Good point, you know? Any thoughts on electrifying 99 trucks? I think that's awesome. Testamino, I don't know if you're still here, but he has a Tesla he converted to an El Camino, and that's a very nice forward-thinking concept. I think uh, a way to repurpose a 99 truck would be great. As a matter of fact, I have an additional thought on that. I feel that it's more socially responsible to do that. So the 99 truck, now the petrol engine is gone, so it's not a polluting agent. And then you're not repurposing by putting electric setups in it and making it a lot more fun, dare I say, easier to maintain. And taking it a step further, you're not investing energy to buying a new truck that has to be built. Oh, there he is. He's still here. So that being said, um, I think it's a smashing idea indeed. Texas Holyfield, is your Viper a twin turbo? Um, no, it's not. Um, the Black Viper has an exhaust system, uh, intake using uh, K&N filtration, and also uh, HD clamps from, from Vibrant, and it also has a, an ECU flash, which is pretty nice, you know? What do you do with the older builds, like the Odyssey, that broke the whole car community? Well, the Odyssey's still here. I tend to hold on to those cars. They're kind of weird, right? So I have the Odyssey here, I have the wagon there. Um, once in a while, people come in and offer me and buy my cars, so it's happened. So it's either we keep them or we sell them to a want to a enthusiast who wants it. I saw someone say something here. Literally, upcycling and upcharge. There you go. Upcycling, that's the phrase. Covote, I like you. You should come in here more often. Hey, BC, I just replaced the viral cam solenoid and timing chain tension on M96. Fun! I'm sure that was fun. Is there a better option for an OEM Porsche tensioner with plastic which grooves from wear over time? Um, no, there's really nothing out there, but what I've noticed is that poor oils tend to exacerbate that. So I use Purell, and it must be the zinc content, but I don't see the wear that I've seen with conventional oils. So um, since you change yours, and that plastic, it can get brittle and break very easily, you need to protect it. So if I were you, I would post haste, start using Purell stuff, because that's the only thing I've done that allows me to put that wear at bay. And I can put an engine after 70,000 miles and look at my um, chain tensioner guides and they look just as good. And that's with the factory tension on it. How crazy is that, eh? So on that note, guys, I must depart. I'm getting the warning now from my phone that it's going to cut me off. But I'll keep this here on for 24 hours on Instagram. I'll then upload this on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed, go to my bio here on Instagram and subscribe with Vigor. And then you'll be able to get updates of my very whittled down but very precise Tech Tuesday archive moment. I'll also have this on your favorite podcasting networks. So, Spotify, um, Anchor, um, iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, all that fun stuff, it's there. And I'll put that there right now. So, thanks for being a great part of my family. I really appreciate you guys. Stay safe. And see you soon. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye.